0: Kick it! This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3 Michigan's News Channel. Your breaking news and weather station. True story. I literally was in Final Phase Electric right before I came over here. <laughs> True story. I was checking out uh, checking out the facilities with Brian and the, and the ladies over there. Alright. 574-25-95-95.3 953 is 2595953. Can I ask you a question? Because I, I feel like we were just talking about this, and I feel like this might need a broader audience reaction. Am I overreacting? So when you come into the building, there's a little place in the waiting area. So we've got a couple of chairs there, you know, and people come in, guests or whatever. They can sit in the chair and they can wait. And, uh, and we have like a little business card flyer table, you know, so you can put your business cards, your flyers up there. Well, I have my business cards up there, and then I have my company's business cards up there. And they're both in... Uh, card holders that i3d printed myself and this is the the third time in as many weeks and i don't know if somebody in the building is trolling me or if it's the individuals who are bringing in these new cards my cards are taken out of one of my holders that i made and then somebody replaces my cards with their cards and it just irritates me to the moon so now i'm at the point where so what had just happened recently, I'm not going to tell you who it, who it is, but what had just happened recently is my, so I've got two business card holders, one for my my show, one for my business, and what happened is they turned my cards vertical, so they're, they're standing straight up, and then they took the other cards out and put them next to them standing straight up and then took over my business card holder. Like I said, this keeps happening to me because I don't even know if there's other business card holders on the table or if those are the only two. I think those might be the only two, so everybody's like fighting for space, you know, I'll make you a business card holder. I've got a whole bag of business card holders, literally right on the business card holders. Literally, I have dozens of business card holders right here. Okay, so if you're in the building and you need a business card holder, do it. These are throwaway business card holders that were supposed to clip onto the top of the cubicle uh, frame. But they're just a bit too small, so they don't actually clip on. So they just sit on your desk. They totally function and they work. You can have one for free. So I feel like maybe I'm going to tape that there with a little sign, you know, passive-aggressive, leave my cards alone and have have a free business card holder, (laughs) like one of those. I feel like I'm overreacting here. But should I, because I take their cards out, I place them on the table so you can still see their cards, and then I put my cards back where they're supposed to be, and I straighten the whole area up. I'm at a point now where I'm just going to throw their business cards away, all of them. So they're all going to be gone. Whomever takes over my business card holder in the table, in the front, in the lobby, is just going to get trashed. Now, am I overreacting if I do that? Joe is uncomfortable giving me a full answer here. The audience keeps telling me, yes, I should throw them away. But the audience is also squarely in the horde mindset, Okay, which I appreciate. I love that you will follow me uh, to the, uh, the depths of, of depravity. But am I overreacting? Should I be throwing people's business cards away if they're stealing my business card holder? Because it's just, I know it's a small thing. That's just it. I know it's a small thing and I know it shouldn't irritate me that much, but it does. And that's what bothers me. So I'm, I'm going to get to the point, I'll glue the business card holder down. Well, glue the business cards down. Well, I want people to take the business cards when people on the live stream are telling me to glue them, but I want people to be able to take them. That's the whole point. Uh, Joe won't answer. That's how we know that he did it. So was it you? you the one replacing the business cards? Yes, because I have huh? business cards for my various businesses that well, I have. Well, no, but maybe you're taking somebody else's business cards. No. I have no need for business <laughs> cards. I now, can Google things. For the record, uh, because this ca- this question came up on the live stream, the audience also doesn't have to, to uh, face the person whose business cards you're throwing away. First of all, I don't care about any of that. Nobody in the building scares me. But... It's not somebody from in the building. It's an outsider. So it's an outsider who walks in and then just puts business cards down. Or there's somebody in the building taking somebody else's cards and then replacing them because they're trying to play a prank on me. Regardless, it doesn't really matter much to me. I'm just going to throw everybody's business cards away. And at the end of the day, if the worst thing that happens to me is my business cards disappear and my cardholders disappear, so what? I can always make more. So it's it's really not a big deal. Although that is a very nice bronze filament. So it's got a nice metallic sheen to it and everything. I mean, it is a nice filament, but uh, just those little things, right? Just they bother me so much. All right. So speaking of little things that bother me, uh, Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney has been disinvited from CPAC, the annual conservative uh, political action conference, which is hysterical. Now, I want to remind everybody, because every year that CPAC happens and everybody's a, a multiple people in the live stream are telling me to toss them. So, Joe, apparently this is what I do. I don't ask permission, folks. I just throw people's stuff away. That's what I do. Because, again, this is, this, is, <laughs> this is the equivalent to me throwing a chair again. Um, so anyway, the conservative uh, leadership and political action conference. Now, a few years ago, okay, a few years ago, they hated Donald Trump. They were attacking him. It was basically one speaker after another attacking Donald Trump. And I think that was the year that Michelle Malkin throat-punched everybody in the building. I'm pretty sure, with that amazing speech, which I played in its entirety on the show. And suddenly, everybody loves Trump at CPAC and his critics are getting the cold shoulder. Now, I find this to be wonderfully entertaining. First of all, I'm appreciative that they like the president. Now, as many, many conservatives who used to not like him do him, uh, do like him now, and I'm appreciative of that because I told you that he wasn't the boogeyman that you thought he was. But beyond that, I continue to be impressed by CPAC's ability to change direction on who they like and don't like. And it's just one. Remember when Trump was disinvited? Trump was disinvited because he was too vulgar. Remember that? I just, I'm looking at this stuff and I find it to be very, very interesting. So Mitt Romney is. No conservative. has never been a conservative. When he ran for president as a Republican, we made it clear. He, no, We know that he's not a conservative. It doesn't really matter. Uh, right guy, right time, that sort of thing. Uh, Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union, announced Friday that Senator Mitt Romney, Republican allegedly of Utah, would not be invited to this year's gathering. The uh, breaking news, the extreme conservative and junior senator from the great state of Utah, Senator Romney, is formally not invited to CPAC 2020, Schlapp said. I like how he was kind of joking, the extreme conservative, because Mitt Romney keeps running around going, I'm extremely conservative. No, you're, no, you're not. Uh, Schlapp's announcement came after Romney voted to allow new witnesses and documents in President Donald Trump's impeachment trial, all of which would, by the way, set a dangerous legal precedent and basically make impeachment the norm uh, for the future of the country. So anytime we had a president, as long as the other party had control of the House of Representatives, there was going to be an impeachment. Now, we do have countries that do that sort of thing. Uh, so how many times has uh, Russia's government been completely, you know, uh, obliterated and gotten rid of by Putin? That's happened several times. and Yeah, yeah, we could be a place like that, I guess. That would be great. Uh, Romney's vote was motivated by his desire to hear from John Bolton. Romney's spokesperson, Liz Johnson, said, and as we went over at the beginning of the show, Bolton's testimony was utterly and completely meaningless in the grand scheme of things. Okay. Romney and Senator Susan Collins, Republican of Maine, two of the most moderate Republican lawmakers, were the only two Republicans who voted in favor of additional witnesses and evidence, which, again, are irrelevant to the case. However, because Democrats needed four Republican votes, Trump's trial is likely will likely end next Wednesday, which we already told you. So Romney has spoken to CPAC several times, including in 2012. Now, he was the nomination, the nominee for the presidency at that point. So that would make sense. But in 2013, after he lost the election, he was also a speaker. Uh, Not representative, Senator Mike Lee, Republican of Utah as well, also uh, defended Romney on Friday, calling him a good friend and an excellent senator. All right, he might be a good friend, and you're from Utah, so you got to defend the guy. But let's be honest, he's wrong. Uh, He's 100% wrong. And Mitt Romney is also personally embattled with the president. And there's so many people that are personally embattled with the president. But this is the thing you know, Mitt Romney speaks out. Trashes the uh, the president. And then the president responds and goes, Yeah, remember when that weakling lost that election that he he easily could have won? Remember that guy? Because he backed off and wouldn't fight? Yeah. that was Mitt Romney. And suddenly Mitt Romney wants to grow a spine and actually battle on something. It's crazy. All right. Five, seven, four, 95, 95, three. We are live streaming on YouTube and Twitch. So you can go to youtube.com/slash Casey the host or twitch.tv. Slash Casey the host. If you just want to watch it on my website, go to theburningtruth.us. In the sidebar in any post, you will have the video playing there. And let me know. Uh, first of all, like, subscribe the video, um, and let me know if I am being too petty by throwing other people's business cards away when they steal my business card holder. we got more coming up on 95.3 MNC. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Sock 95, Michigan's Michiana's news channel. Hey, we're going to get to the Iowa cauckeye here in just a little bit. Kind of give you some of the updates on what's going on and some of the polling. Who do you think is going to win that sort of stuff? And, and we'll get to all of that here about 4.30 or so. In the meantime, I did have a lot of people who hit me up on the live stream who were telling me to trash the other people's business cards. But we have some people who called and wanted to chat about it. Matt, welcome to the program. Hi. Good afternoon. Hi there. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'd throw them out too. In fact, where I work, we had somebody come in and drop a stack of business cards without saying anything to anybody. Yeah. Right on our front counter. Um, <laughs> you can imagine where that was. Well, yeah, and that's here's the thing there's nothing wrong with you leaving a business card somewhere. And if they have a board, by all means, put a business card up there. But. I mean, at least ask permission if you can leave it on some counter, right? (laughs) That's what I thought. And and maybe they did. Maybe they you know, asked um, the the girls up front, like, hey, can we leave some business cards here? And they're probably like, yeah, sure, by all means, that's what the table is for. But (laughs) when you start taking people's (laughs) business cards out of a holder, and it's the only holders (laughs) up there, I mean, uh, you're messing with people's property at that point. Yeah, I was looking at it, and I, I asked the girls myself before I tossed it, uh... Well, Who's are these? Mm-hmm. And they they both said, I don't know. I didn't know there was anything up there. Gotcha. Huh. Yeah. Time to go then. All right. So you're <laughs> in favor of me burning it all down then. You know they do make good fire starters. <laughs> <Just> saying. <laughs> there you go. All right, bud. Appreciate it. You take care. Have a good one. All right. Bye bye. Uh, not that any of this is an official endorsement of me. Doing <laughs> Just. It's just so irritating. Again, I, I understand it's probably taking up too much energy, but uh, just one of those minor little things that, you know, just uh, sticks in my craw a little bit. Uh, top al-Qaeda terror leader, previously mocked President Donald Trump, has been killed in a U.S. airstrike in Yemen, according to the Pentagon. Qasim al-Rimi ridiculed the president in 2017 after a failed U.S. military strike in Yemen intended to target him. Quote, the fool at the White House got slapped at the beginning of his road in your lands, Al Remy said in a recording. Well, I suppose things could be worse for people that the uh, president tweets about. (laughs) I suppose Uh, New York Times reported that several American officials were confident that Al Remy was killed in the January airstrike. The report said that an informant provided U.S. forces in November with the location of the head of al-Qaeda's affiliate in Yemen. Uh, Shelly Carbone, who is a journalist, also reported that U.S. officials were working to confirm the death of al-Rimi. So we got another terrorist leader. That happened, which, of course, doesn't get a lot of attention. Uh, Representative Ilhan Omar is continuing to be clown herself. So Ilhan Omar... She went out there and she tweeted out, if we ever had a president give a State of the Union address during an impeachment trial, that was hysterical because everybody had to remind her that, uh, yeah, that, that totally happened before. There's this guy, his name is Bill. And this Bill dude has exactly done that. And, of course, why is this link? I think that my Instapaper service blocks links to certain websites and is not allowing me to open... Uh, this particular link is what I think is happening. Uh, Let's see. So anyway, Ilhan Omar continues to be investigated. I'm going to try and pull up the article independently here. Uh, What do we have here? Uh, Judicial Watch has asked for a principal's examination in September, and this is all about her campaign finance. Now, I want to remind everybody that Ilhan Omar has... It's now been confirmed that she is under investigation by several federal agencies, including the FBI. And well, I should say that the FBI is acting as the catch-all here, but there's several agencies and bureaucracies with the federal government that are looking into various accusations against her, a lot of which are campaign finance reform. Now, she has actually violated campaign finance uh, laws in the past. Okay? That is confirmed. They're minor, okay? They're not things you get thrown in prison for. They're minor little fines and that sort of stuff there's an accusation that there's far more egregious campaign finance violations that they're investigating right now, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. Uh, But also, ICE and the FBI have confirmed that they are looking into whether or not she committed immigration fraud by lying about marrying her brother. Now, if that ends up being true, which, keep in mind, the press said was a conspiracy theory for a long time, and then all of a sudden the Minnesota Tribune, which is a liberal paper in her home state of Minnesota— came out and said, yeah, it's starting to look like there might be something to this. And then, of course, other groups went forward and continued to press the document angle. And as documents were released, it started to seem a lot more like there might be something to this. And so anybody who runs around and says it's a conspiracy theory, we are at the point now where the federal government is literally looking into whether or not she committed immigration fraud. So if that is the case, then obviously this puts her entire immigration status in the United States in jeopardy, and of course her her house seat in jeopardy as well. But the latest is uh, that about 40%, so goes the allegation from Judicial Watch, about 40% of Ilhan Omar's campaign spending went to her boyfriend's law firm. Now keep in mind there's a huge love triangle, some infidelity, all of that stuff happening involving all of this Uh, conservative watchdog group, Judicial Watch asked for a principal's examination September right into whether uh, Representative Ilhan Omar, Democrat of Minnesota, poorly utilized campaign funds uh, for her concubine, concubine, excuse me, uh, Tim Minette. Now, Judicial Watch broadened their ask for a principal's examination into Ilhan Omar after formally inquiring a probe right into the claims of marital relationship scams, migration scams, tax obligation scams. She's also been caught uh, lying on her taxes. They're investigating that further. And that's not a uh, conspiracy. That did happen. And also identification scams, which is related to the immigration stuff. So uh, now what they're looking at is apparently uh, the New York Times, or excuse me, New York Post found that Ilhan Omar offered and added $147,000 to her, her uh, firm, to her boyfriend's firm in November. And let's see, currently shows it up to 50% of Ilhan Omar's spending in the fourth quarter went to her Uh, Sweetheart's E Street Group. So overall, in 2019, about 40% of her spending went to her boyfriend's business. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's illegal, depending on the services provided, okay, just so you know. Uh, But it sure does seem like a large amount of cash going into one spot, especially when there is a romantic relationship there that is going on. It could mean that you're, you're funneling money somewhere doesn't necessarily mean it's illegal or criminal. Okay? I just want everybody to understand that there could be some illegal activity that they're looking into, but about 40% uh, went to her boyfriend's company. Now, with that said, Joe, would you say, if the allegations are true against Ilhan Omar, that if you take 40% of your campaign money and you give it to your boyfriend's company, would you say that that could be, I don't know, an abuse of power maybe, potentially? Yeah, okay. Uh, Ilhan Omar wants the president impeached because of abuse of power. Just throwing that out there. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This just called in Johnson Street Bridge by the hydroelectric dam in Elkhart. There are emergency vehicles on the bridge. You said there's rescue vehicles there too, right? That is what the caller said, okay. yeah. I hope somebody but he didn't go in. Um, that's a very tumultuous area to say the least with the water, but a lot of people fish there. Yeah. And I haven't seen it, but I don't think you're allowed to fish right now, but I could be wrong. Um, but there are a lot of people who fish there and you know, so you have to wonder if maybe somebody fell or jumped in. Um, I don't know. I'm just saying that they saw emergency vehicles there. So the Johnson street bridge by the hydroelectric dam in Elkhart, again, there's emergency vehicles there. You want to avoid that. If you can just go around Five seven four twenty five ninety five ninety five three. That is two five nine five nine five three. All right, the Iowa caucus is today. Let's take a look at the Iowa polling. Bernie Sanders twenty three percent. Joe Biden nineteen point three. Pete Buttigieg sixteen point eight. Elizabeth Warren fifteen point five. If that is her real name. Klobuchar nine. Yang three point three. All right, so Bernie Sanders, according to the average in polling from RCP is going to win Iowa, which for the record doesn't bode very well for him for the uh, the race, because traditionally when you win Iowa, you don't win the race. But um, it would be a big victory for, for Bernie Sanders. He's outside of the margin of error if he wins this thing. Joe Biden, of course, uh, continues to put his foot in his mouth and go up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is kind of the same thing. He goes up and down, up and down, up and down and at one point he was leading Iowa and was outside of the margin of error, and then he was in the margin of error, and now he's in third place. Um, And that's if the polling holds, because technically he is tied with Elizabeth Warren for third. So he could drop down to fourth, depending on how this thing works, if the polling is correct, and we don't know how correct it ultimately is. And these early contests are, uh, oh, listener just said they can confirm a rescue vehicle is there at the Johnson Street Bridge. All right. So I I absolutely hope the best because that is not an easy area to fall into the water or to jump into the water. That's for sure. Um, So anyway. So we've got the polling there in Iowa. The caucus is happening today. I don't need to go over the rules of a caucus and caucus versus primary. I don't think Uh, sometimes that comes up. We'll save that for a Friday. If you're interested in it on a Friday, by all means, give me a call. It's usually something that comes up every time we cover these sorts of things. Uh, Now, there's a couple of different things that are happening with the election which I think are very, very interesting. First of all, Bernie Sanders, again, expected to win Iowa based on the polling data, okay? Now, if he wins Iowa, you're going to see the Democratic Party start getting really nervous. And this is where we're starting to see some interesting things happen. So John Kerry has allegedly, according to NBC News, has the former Secretary of State, the former smartest man to ever run for president. That's what they were telling us when he was doing it. You, you, didn't, you didn't connect with John Kerry on an intellectual level because he's so much smarterer than you are. They actually made that case. Yosef was a little too young to remember that, but they made that case. People just weren't, they weren't able to connect with what John Kerry was saying because he's just so leaps and, and bounds more intelligent than all of you. What you have to understand is those of us in the press, we know what he is saying, and what he is saying is correct. And so John Kerry is super, super smart. Just believe us and believe it, even if you can't understand a word that he's saying. That actually, that was, a, that was a strategy on their part. Didn't work out very well for them. So John Kerry, according to NBC News, has been overheard saying that he's now considering getting in the race. <laughs> I don't know if there's any truth to it. It's NBC News. So you got to take everything they say with a grain of salt. But how funny... How funny would it be if John Kerry hopped into this thing? Honestly, what are we down to? 30 candidates now? We had some other guy drop out last week. Never heard of him. Uh, Former Secretary of State. I mean, we have, but you know what I mean. Former Secretary of State John Kerry, one of Joe Biden's highest profile endorsers, was overheard on Sunday on the phone in Des Moines Hotel explaining that he would have to do what he would have to do to enter the presidential race amid the possibility of Bernie Sanders taking down the Democratic Party. Uh Aha. Sitting in the lobby restaurant of the Renaissance Savory Hotel, Kerry was overheard by an NBC News analyst, allegedly, saying, maybe I'm bleeping, deluding myself here. Uh, Shades of Teresa Hines, Kerry, coming through there, and explaining that in order to run... He'd have to step down from the board of Bank of America and give up his ability to make paid speeches. Uh, Kerry said donors like venture capitalist Doug Hickey would have to raise a couple of million dollars, adding that such donors now have the reality of Bernie. Now, that doesn't mean that he's actually looking at doing it. It could very well mean that somebody said, what would it take for you to get into this thing? And then him explain it. You know, it, So it, it may not be anything serious, Okay. It's just kind of interesting that it's coming up because the Democrats are absolute excuse me, absolutely nervous that Bernie Sanders is gonna take this thing. They are so nervous they are considering changing the rules on him again. We'll talk about that coming up next on News Talk ninety five three, Michiana's news channel. Afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, traffic alert Johnson Street Bridge in Elkhart by the Hydroelectric Dam. There are emergency vehicles in the area. Boat is in the water. That is official. There are rescue uh, vehicles there as well. So somebody appears to be in the water. uh, We're obviously hoping for the best, but again, you want to avoid the Johnson Street Bridge by the Hydroelectrical Dam in Elkhart. Avoid that until this is all over with. All right. The situation in Iowa. So the polls show that, that uh, Bernie Sanders should win Iowa. If the polls are right, Bernie should win. Biden should come in second, okay? If the polls are not right, then that is where you get a whole host of scenarios that open up that are very interesting, and we'll have to analyze those later on in the week. Uh, if Joe Biden ends up not placing well, if Joe Biden comes in third in this thing, his campaign's essentially done. Uh, really, anybody who kind of was a front runner, who comes in third, is likely going to be seen as as uh, needing to get out pretty quick. You, know, you can always stick it out, try and do better in the next couple of races, and then hope that you have an opportunity to kind of get a new lease on life, if you will. Maybe there's a scandal that happens, take somebody else out, that sort of thing. But if Joe Biden doesn't place well, the chances of him winning the nomination almost completely disappear, which is kind of where I think you're getting the John Kerry conversation from. NBC News is again listening to him have a conversation in hotel lobby where he explains what would have to happen if he were to run. That doesn't mean he's seriously, you know, entertaining the idea. Again, an example: people ask me, "Are you going to run for mayor of Elkhart?" No, I never said that I wanted to, but it was something that numerous people asked me to do right after the last election. Actually, the first time I was asked was right before the last election. Um, And no, I'm not. But when I come on and people ask me about it and I talk about it, I tell you, well, this would have to happen. That would have to happen. That sort of thing. That doesn't mean that I'm actually entertaining the idea. I'm not. Uh, But I have to also tell you these sorts of things would have to happen for me to even be able to do it. I'm not interested in doing it. So Carrie could have been doing that. Okay, in a conversation. And NBC News just heard one part of that conversation and just decided to report on it. That doesn't mean that John Kerry is seriously or actually looking at getting into the race. He could just be explaining to somebody what would have to happen for him to do so. And what it sounds like is people are going to have to raise a lot of money because he's making a lot of money now. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. It sounds like John Kerry is not interested in doing the whole swift boat thing again unless there's going to be a ton of money available for him to do it. All right. So I'm not buying into John Kerry jumping into this thing, especially as late as it is. It's already it's already uh, uh, annoying that that Bloomberg is in on this thing. And by the way, we'll tell you how Bloomberg wasted his money on the Super Bowl ad uh, that he ran here um, coming up in the five o'clock hour. But in the meantime, there is a real fear in the Democratic Party that Bernie Sanders is going to get this nomination. And they've been strategizing against him for some time. For months, the Democrats have been caught trying to rig the system against Bernie Sanders again. So now, here we go, in Politico. A small group of Democratic National Committee members has privately begun gauging support for a plan to potentially weaken Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign and head off a brokered convention. For the record, I'm not saying that there is going to be a brokered convention. That is a convention where you have no clear nominee. All right. And you're all fighting it out at the convention. Okay. I'm not saying that we're going to get that, but right now, most of the evidence is pointing towards a brokered, contested convention for the Democrats, which would be ugly and disastrous for them. Okay. In conversations on the sidelines of a DNC executive committee meeting and in telephone calls and texts in recent days, about a half dozen members have discussed the possibility of a policy reversal to ensure. that so-called superdelegates can vote on the first ballot at the party's national convention. That's how Hillary screwed Bernie the last time. So, you have at least a small group of Democrats who are saying, hey, maybe we should change the rules back to how they used to be and screw Bernie again. Now, keep in mind... The rules were changed. Why? Because Bernie got screwed. That's why. So they changed the rules. And that was their way of appeasing the Bernie supporters. We're so sorry. We're going to change the rules. It's never going to happen again. And now you got a bunch of people running around going, hey, Bernie might be the guy. We should probably stop this by going back to the superdelegates. Such a move would increase the influence of DNC members, members of Congress, and other top party officials who now must wait until the second ballot to have their say if the convention is contested. So they used to have their say in the first ballot and the superdelegates could basically decide who the pres- who the presidential nominee was going to be. Now it is designed to give the voters at the convention the say and superdelegates basically get to step in in round 2 of voting if the the uh, the lower voters if you will, for lack of terminology, lower voters don't decide who their nominee is going to be, all right? Then the superdelegates get now set, set in that the superdelegates are not going to decide who the nominee is going to be anymore. And again, rule change happened because of the, the Hillary, I almost said Heidi, the Hillary Bernie fiasco. I do believe that we should reopen the rules. I hear it from others as well. One DNC member said in a text message last week to William Owen, a DNC member from Tennessee, who does not support reopening the rules, Owen, who declined to identify the member, said that the member added in a text that it would be hard, though. We could force a meeting or on the floor. Even proponents of the change acknowledge that it is all but certain not to gain enough support to move past the initial conversations. But the talks reveal the extent of angst that many establishment Democrats are feeling on the eve of the Iowa caucuses. And again, Bernie Sanders has surged. Bernie Sanders is in the lead. Bernie Sanders is now considered a favorite in the national polling as well. Uh, And if he wins Iowa, he's going to win New Hampshire. Uh, Probably won't win South Carolina, but he's going to win Iowa. If he wins Iowa, he'll win New Hampshire. So this this is yet more evidence that the Democratic establishment does not want Bernie Sanders to be their nominee. And the fact that you have people running around and saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and try and screw Bernie the same way he got screwed last time against Hillary, which there's still people furious about that. You talk to the Bernie people, one of the reasons that so many of them are so amped up this time around is because they played the nice game last time against Hillary, and they lost, and then they ended up finding out that it was a whole systemic thing, and there was collusion, and a whole host of things working against them in this nefarious plot to to get rid of Bernie. Now, if this happens again, it would be disastrous for the Democratic Party. Now, my sense is that the Democratic Party is going to realize this and squash this because if it gets out that well, I mean, not if it gets out because it's out. But I mean, if they were to do this again, there's no hope for them to win this time around. The the Bernie supporters would absolutely pack their bags and go elsewhere, whether that's to Trump or just staying home. I don't know, Uh, but they would certainly not be supporting the Democratic Party. At least a large chunk of them wouldn't be. Um, but at the same time, there's going to be several of them looking at this, even if it doesn't happen, or saying they're still trying to do it to him. And they might, just this story might be enough to affect the outcome of an election, even if Bernie doesn't win the, if Bernie doesn't win the nomination. I mean, that is, the Democrats are really hosing themselves with their base over the past several elections. All right. Oh, by the way, uh, the RNC, another record breaking fundraising quarter. Just thought you should know that. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel.